they put me in ICU that night because I, I mean, I basically flatlined and they brought in the pastor to come pray over me because they thought, I mean, they thought I was going to die. Welcome to another episode of the Wichita Live Podcast. This is Landon. Today's episode is brought to you by Il Primo Espresso Cafe. Il Primo is located at Central and Woodlawn in Wichita and is the oldest coffee shop in Wichita. Stop by and check out their lavender cream soda or even their cinnamon delight cold brew. This is part one of an interview with some members of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. This episode, I spoke with Hannah and her father, Scott. Hannah is a survivor of acute lymphobastic leukemia and is currently a junior in high school. This is not something I know a lot about, but here are a few statistics about blood cancer. Every three minutes, one person in the U.S. is diagnosed with blood cancer. An estimated 176,200 people in the U.S. are expected to be diagnosed this year. The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society helps lead research to help cure cancer. We talk about Hannah's experience with chemo, treatment, and her experience overcoming this illness. Hannah's story is really inspiring, and I'm excited to share it with all of you. Enjoy my conversation with Hannah and her father, Scott. All right. So this is Landon, and I'm here with Hannah and her father, Scott. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Very well. Very good. Um, So can you guys just tell a little bit about yourself? Um, You're in high school, what year you are, where you go, that kind of thing? Yeah. um, I'm a junior at Mays High School, and... I am super excited to finally be back in high school because for the past couple of years, I haven't been able to go to school due to my illness. And so going to school full time is definitely a new thing, which shouldn't be a new thing for a a kid. But it's definitely a fun experience because I'm just more grateful to be there and not lay in bed sick. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, so what do you like to do? Hobbies? What do you do? Um, Currently in school, I'm I take debate. I love Mm -hmm. talking and um, just speaking in front of people. I know that's a big fear for some people, but it's something that is really in my comfort zone. So I like to do it. So I try to express as much as I can. Nice. Very cool. All right. Um, so part of the reason we're here is just to kind of tell your story, um, get it out there, um, words of wisdom, stuff you've learned and just the experience in general. So, Mm -hmm. um, can you just talk about what you had, what illness you did have and go into that a little bit? Yeah. So I had acute lymphoblastic leukemia, which is a type of blood cancer. And when I was first diagnosed, they described it like, um, well, Dad, do you remember how they described it? I bet you remember better than me. Well, the leukemia attacks the cells that would typically fight any kind of infection or sickness or illness that you would have. Mm -hmm. And so it it masks those cells and your body thinks it has those cells, but in, in theory or in reality, it doesn't have those cells. And that's why people get into to trouble with this um, disease. And so, you know, getting getting the illness, it, it's difficult to diagnose. Uh, it masks itself as just a normal flu or just um, exhaustion sometimes. Um, and, and it can be difficult to find an, until you take that blood test and, and dig deeper into it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so how did you find out about that? How old were you and what did that look like finding out? Um, well, I was in eighth grade at the time. I was mm-hmm. just starting eighth grade year and 
um, being 13, I honestly just had thought I had the flu and I was doing my normal things. I was really big into music theater at the time mm-hmm. and dance. So I would go to dance classes. I would go to tech week for music theater and I would do shows. And honestly, I just thought I was just exhausted physically. Yeah. And my mom, that's what she thought. And she's like, oh, it's just the flu. You'll be fine. And we were like, okay, we can at least, we can get through this one week. We can put on the show and then rest a little bit. Sure. And so... We did that, and then after the show was done, we went to the doctor, and they're like, oh, I think you have mono. We mm-hmm. should probably run a blood test. And so they run the blood test, and they're like, oh, I think you need to go to the hospital. And so oh, wow. we ended up going to the hospital mm-hmm. thinking I, I still had mono. Well, we get there, and they bring us into this nice room, and it was really it was really cool because I had a gift basket on the bed already. <laughs> I was like, dang, this is really cool. Mm-hmm. I get to stay I get to stay here overnight. They're gonna give me food. It's gonna be good. And then um, all these nurses start walking in, and then a doctor, and two doctors, and residents. And right. at the time, I didn't know what residents were, mm-hmm. but all these doctors started coming in my room. And one comes out from behind them, and he sits at the foot of my bed, and he says, Hannah you are diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And uh, my first reaction is I told him, I go, wow, that was like ripping off a Band-Aid. <laughs> like it kind of was like bitter how fast they were able just to diagnose yeah, you. Yeah, no but kidding. I, um, my mom started crying, obviously, because I mean, parents were, my parents both were just very emotional that day. And I didn't know what it was, to be honest. So I was still yeah. confused. I think I was just shocked because mm-hmm. I knew it was bad and I knew it wasn't like, gonna be easy i just knew i had to learn about what i was gonna go through and learn Mm -hmm. how i was gonna do it and how i was gonna beat it so i never once doubted that i would not beat it i always try to keep to look to the positive side yeah what so was it just fear like when you the initial thought when you Mm -hmm. heard it or was it just confusion because when i hear that i i don't know what that means i don't know if that's like life-threatening is that what that looks like that's exactly what i thought i was like okay what is that Mm -hmm. i just didn't know what it was so um, the child life specialist had to come in and she came in with her little baggie and she put, it was called leukemia soup, something like that. Mm-hmm. And she basically put all these fake cells into a bag and she's like, this is what is happening in your body right now. And it was trying to yeah. explain it to me. And I was like, this is really weird. Okay. Yeah. And, and of course they diagnose it as, you know, um, you know, the lymph, lymphoblastic leukemia. And yeah. to us, we didn't even know what that was. Right. And yeah. We, that it was fear obviously of okay what is that and they never even mentioned the word cancer so we didn't really assimilate the two and and of course once we started doing the research then we realized oh this is you know this is right yeah and props to my dad i mean he stayed up all night some nights just researching and trying to figure out what was the best cure and what were the best methods and what should i be eating what should i not be eating um looking at um, other survivors watching their facebooks and seeing how they battled it and I mean, honestly, he could be a med student. Not gonna lie, <laughs> I don't know why he hasn't gotten his PhD. <laughs> um, so, what it. are there different stages to this type of leukemia, or um, not with leukemia? Okay. If you're diagnosed with leukemia, it's kind of all the same. Okay. Um, you can get diagnosed later. Sure. And that is more deadly because the later you find out, the harder it is. And when you're older, the, it's the harder. Yeah. Because if you get it when you're really young. It's, I mean, I say easier. It's right. not. It's not easy, but it's a lot easier on the body um, compared to someone who is older. So right. when I was diagnosed, I was a high risk because I had been getting older and I had been developed as a teenager, and so 
just being labeled as almost an adult was just considered high risk. Wow. That's really interesting. Um, so what, so you said you, you kind of looked at the positive side of things. Mm -hmm. Is that something you've kind of always been? Is that support from family? What, where did that come from? Um, I mean, I like to think of myself as a positive, upbeat person. Mm -hmm. I hope people see me that way. Um, but honestly, I really couldn't have done it without my family. Mm -hmm. My family was there with me the whole time, you know, many, many nights at the hospital, just laying there by me, um, holding my hand, um, scratching my back, you know, literally. Yeah. And, um, just being there for me. Sure. Yeah. The, the support network definitely comes through family. Mm -hmm. was, was very important in, in, in our church. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a lot of people from church that, that were always there for us. So, uh, and of course just, just work and, and friends yeah. that, that all, all supported us. Yes. Yeah. That's important. Um, so you find out, um, you kind of start doing some research on your own. Do you jump straight into treatment or what does that process look like? Um, you kind of do have to jump straight into treatment. I mean, mm -hmm. once they, once they even think you got it, you, yeah. you got to jump in cause it's, it's a fast, it's a fast spreading cell. So you don't want to wait on that. So I think the second day I was in the hospital, they started putting stuff in me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they do some preparatory stuff. I mm -hmm. mean, she needed a port, so yes. she had surgery to have a port put in. But mm -hmm. other than that, they get started right mm -hmm. away. Sure. Um, so what all what all is that treatment entail then? Is it pills, shots? What does that look like? Um, well, I mean, the first thing they did was mm -hmm. enter a IV, of course. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of fluids were going through me first to prep my body just for the new the chemo to go in yeah. basically because you cannot be dehydrated when it goes in so obviously the first thing they did was saline mm -hmm. and then intravenously they put a lot of different types of chemo in first and one of them this is going to sound really crazy but one of them like smelled like cat pee and i all the nurses out here you'll know exactly what it is but it smells disgusting <laughs> and then they'll bring in another one and then they'll be like, okay, well, we have to shut the windows because it's very sensitive to sunlight and I don't want you to like breathe near it and don't like touch it. And like, this is going in my body. Right. Like you're yeah. putting this inside of me and you're like not wanting me like to even go near it. So it's kind of crazy how like they'll put the gown on and the gloves, like heavy duty gloves. And I'm like, you're putting this inside of me. You're kidding, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, like it's straight, pretty, pretty scary, straight chemicals, straight poison. It's kind of crazy. Can you talk a little bit more about like the chemo itself? Cause I, like mm -hmm. I personally don't know what that looks like. And yeah. a lot of people, I don't think really know what that looks like. They just know it yeah. is hard on the body. So chemo is not just one drug. I realized before I thought chemo was all just one that you just got chemo, but there are different types. Um, one of them was called on Donson and it was labeled as the red devil. Is mm -hmm. that the one? Yeah. yeah, that's the one. And that that's, I mean, it's red, it goes in red and then like whenever your body would release fluid. So when you sweat or like when you peed or um, cried, it, it would all be red. Oh, wow. So like you would have like, if you wore a white shirt, it would be pink by the end of the night. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. That I mean, is crazy. I found it fascinating, but it was also like it made your stomach feel like cookie dough. And that's what made me throw up. And mm. that's one of the chemos that made me lose my hair. And it's just because that one was so hazardous. Yeah. So, I mean, there were chemos that I took that didn't affect anything I mean d besides just killing the blood cells yeah. and killing that off and so there were chemos that I would take later on in treatment that I would still be taking chemo but I'd still have my hair because it wasn't so bad um on like the cells that produce hair cells and like mm -hmm. molecules and stuff like that um 
but chemo is a drug that does not target a certain thing. It just goes in and kills everything. Right. So that is why I lose my hair. It wasn't because of the cancer. It was because of the chemo. Mm -hmm. And so with that, I lost all of my hair. But I also, fun fact, pimples are a fast-growing cell, so I had the clearest skin. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Didn't know that either. There were pros. I'm telling you, there there were very thin linings. But yeah. you, can, you can look at the bright side very thinly. <laughs> And so I had pretty clear skin. That was fun. Not shaving my legs was nice. Um, I never had to worry about my hair. Always had the best hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and the regimen calls for, you know, let's say for a three-month period, you take three different drugs over that period of time. Mm -hmm. And then for, you know, three, four months after that, you would take three or four different drugs. Right. Yeah. And then along with that that drug that you're taking you could take a steroid it just depends on, mm -hmm. on the, sure. the, the phase that you're in yeah uh, the chemo really stands for just a, a drug regimen um, it's not a particular drug it's just a drug regimen right. that, that you're under so all these different drugs that you're taking some of them are a little bit more uh, lethal than the others so to speak so yeah. um, like she said there's there's some that just go in and they go after the, the fast growing cells and attack them pretty heavy, and then they throw a steroid on top of that, so um, it accelerates it basically. Um, and some, you know, she could take and handle. Mm -hmm. and some mm -hmm. just completely knocked her out, no energy, um, you know, no desire to eat anything because it's just going to come right back up. So, mm -hmm. you know, there were periods where she lost a lot of weight. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we are with her every day, and so we can – you know, we don't really see how how intense it is because it's more gradual to us. But I mean, there, there was some periods where we would look back at pictures and be like, "Wow, I didn't realize yeah. you know, how bad that was." But um, they they can be kind of harmful. One definitely. of the more lethal ones was methotrexate, and you have to do that one in heavy doses. Mm -hmm. And so you would get, um, oh, it was like a gallon-sized bag of just this yellow fluids, mm -hmm. and when it went in you like you were fine as it went in but like later on throughout the day you'd start feeling really bad well my body didn't react well to that drug and so it caused mouth sores all down my what is what was that called um gastro tract mm -hmm. mm -hmm. so i wasn't able to like swallow anything and wow they weren't able to put a feeding tube down me either because i wasn't eating because it hurt so bad and my mm -hmm. lips blistered so bad that like i couldn't even open them so wow. my lips were honestly like glued shut for a solid 14 days and so I wasn't eating and I hardly was drinking they put saline through me well they decided to put vitamin k in which is healthy right vitamins mm -hmm. but you can definitely get allergic to that really quick and yeah, so it caused uh, anaphylactic shock mm -hmm. oh wow and uh, of course it says you know if administered through IV, there's a, a, there's a rare risk. instance where you could have anaphylactic shock right. because she had that. So I just have really bad luck. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I may may need to try the lottery if I can win those <laughs> little slivers like that. Uh, do, is a lot of the treatment? Do you can you do that at home, or do you have to go in every time? You have it's you have to option. go in. Most mm -hmm. of it's in, but a lot of it was you know outpatient. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you know, fortunately, we had a doctor that, that believed in as much outpatient um, time as possible, and and, and there's there's truth to that. You know, if uh, if a, if a child or an individual can be outside and at home and in the comfort of their own home, they tend to have a little bit more 
better feel about mm-hmm. not taking mm-hmm. drugs and stuff. So I definitely felt better in my bed than in a hospital right. bed. Right, mm-hmm. I can imagine. Mm-hmm. So you're going into your junior year. You found out about this eighth grade, and then I believe you just finished your treatment this past spring. Is that yes. right? Yes, last February was my last treatment. Wow. Well, congratulations on that. Thank so you. what Thank what does you. that look like moving forward? Then do you still have checkup appointments every so often? Um, what does that look like? I go every month for a blood test, and they'll test just my red blood count, my white mm-hmm. blood count, and my platelets to see if anything is out of the ordinary and they'll check my um they'll just check those counts and Mm -hmm. see i mean if anything's out of the ordinary so yeah Mm -hmm. and that's once a month and that'll be for a year i think and then it goes to um, quarterly visits Mm -hmm. and then six month visits annual visits slowly yeah um so is there a good shot that it's gone then or is there are there any statistics on like I don't know, it's this specific leukemia or anything about the remission. I don't know, anything we, like that. We've run, we've had a bone marrow uh, test, and that shows that she's in full remission, which which means it's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly a chance of remission. I mean, there's never, you know, you're never kind of out of the woods fully. Um, there's always that chance, but um, based on the results and, and, and the numbers, things look good, but like mm-hmm. I said, there's, yeah that's mm-hmm. always a chance right um so the two two or so three years what did school look like was that just doing it on your own while you're in the hospital could you go to school at all um i mean my parents tried not necessarily to force me but to urge me to go and socialize as much as possible yeah. and i mean i'm a very social person but during those times i just wanted to be at home honestly yeah. and I would go every once in a while, very slim chance that I'd go. And eighth grade year, I think I, how, all in all, I think I went to school all of like two months, mm-hmm. like adding it all together. I'd go like twice a month if it was a good month. And of course, when I would go, everybody would get excited and they'd want to come up and hug me and everybody would come up and see me. And that just scared my parents because one, yeah. kids are germy right they're they're carriers not gonna lie yeah <laughs> makes sense. um so everybody coming up to me was very dangerous because they were carrying germs that they didn't even know they had or right. had or could give to me and i mean and it just made me like nervous overall because it was just a lot at one time mm-hmm. and taking all these different drugs i was never in my like I was never myself because, mm-hmm. I mean, my mind was just everywhere from taking all these drugs. So I was either really hyper or, like, really tired or just kind of confused all the time. Yeah. It was never, like, a set mindset. I hate to tell you that, but you're like that all the time anyway. So. I, well, I'm <laughs> hyper now. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So are you caught up then? Are you like at the kind of same base starting point of your junior year then? Or are you set back um, a little bit? Actually, we were just talking about this on the car ride here. Um, I loved my teachers very much in middle school and freshman year. They were very nice and they would never overload me with work. But I just realized that I never hardly did any work in those classes. And I see now that here I am algebra too, I mean, not really knowing algebra. They brought in the pastor right. to so pray over me. I'm kind of thought, learning I mean, all of it at once, which 100% is possible. I can do it, but it's also something that I look back on and was like, hey, maybe I should have done that worksheet or maybe I should have just tried. But well, I mean, in considering the, the state of being, it wasn't a 
you, you weren't retaining knowledge, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like, so, hey, I'm going to need this to know next year to help me next year. Just yeah. get through what we can to get it done and, yeah. and Absolutely. move to the next you know, step. Yeah, so. honestly, at that point, we were just thinking about survival. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, now it's, now it's a new challenge. Yep. What's been the hardest part of the last few years? Is there mm. a specific thing or just everything all at once? The hardest part was probably Valentine's Day that couple years ago was when I had the anaphylactic shock from methotrexate and they, I mean, they put me in ICU that night because I, I mean, I basically flatlined and they brought in the pastor to come pray over me because they thought, I mean, they thought I was going to die. So they had, they had to do the code blue button and all the doctors rushed into my room and I was brought into a CT scan and that was probably the scariest moment of my whole treatment. Yeah, most difficult time. You know, aside from that, it's it's just trying to live some, you know, instance of a normal life during a period that's absolute turmoil. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, y- you've got another child that's yeah. healthy and, mm-hmm. you know, um, you're trying to, you know, make sure that he's well cared for as well but at the same time you know that's almost impossible so um th- those those were the tough challenges as far as parents go but yeah and i know for her it's just just battling those different drugs and not only physically but emotionally it does a lot to you so yeah um you, you can't really be yourself so mm-hmm. how has it changed who you guys are hannah scott or just the family dynamic how has the last couple of years changed you guys for the better or worse Um, Well, I keep telling my dad I've had the best summer ever because I just, I look at all the little things and I'm happy about them. Like sunny Mm -hmm. days, I get so happy going to the pool. I haven't been able to swim in two years. This is the first summer I've been able to swim. So trust me, I was at the pool every day (laughs) and I got a lecture that I'm getting too much sun, but I have enjoyed every moment of it. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you take a lot for granted, but you also just realize, hey. I mean, life is precious. It things really like uh, you know, a, a, a quiz at school aren't so important. So, um, m- maybe it, maybe you could chill out a little bit more about stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what advice would you have for other people with the with leukemia, the specific kind, or just in general, or I mean, especially middle school or high school age? Because I mean, mm-hmm. the majority of people will never have to go through that, let alone oh, at that I hope age. Not. Um. Advice. It's it's, it's a scary diagnosis. Scary. It's it's beatable. Um, the the best thing that an individual that gets it can do is be positive, mm-hmm. as much as possible. Um, we, we've you know we've we've seen some some people go through it and you know I mean your first instinct is you know why me and mm-hmm. and you kind of get down down about it. Okay, this this kind of sucks for for me and my life, but at the end of the day you got to deal with it. Uh, and I think Hannah really understood that. It's kind of like, okay, I've been dealt a hand here. I'm going to play it and I'm going to do the best I can with it and, and beat it. So, mm-hmm. and you just take something that's honestly awful and you just turn it into something that can motivate people. Mm-hmm. So if you can try to do that, that's what you need to do. And of course there are kids that couldn't get over the, why me, why me? I feel so bad for myself. And that was heartbreaking because you could see how much worse they were doing with because of how they like thought. Yeah. And yeah. and like 
mentally, like, that's just the worst state of mind you can be in during that. You don't want to be in that state of mind. You need to get over it. You need to get upon it and just go with it and Mm -hmm. learn how to cope with it and um, have family with you. That was how I stayed so positive. Yeah, we've we've met some amazing people Mm -hmm. through this, and uh, that's been one of the huge blessings. Um, You know, and and at the end of the day, she's she's created a nonprofit to try to help kids that, that come out of treatment and try to get them a, a normal life again. And so that's a piece that we're, we're still pushing ahead with. So, yeah, um, yeah, some incredible things have, have happened through it. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about that? What's the nonprofit, the name of it, what your, the goal yeah. is? So um, when I was first diagnosed, the doctors very were strong about creating a Facebook page just so my mom wasn't overwhelmed with text messages right. of how I was doing. And so people could just see little updates. And mm-hmm. so they're like, yeah, a lot of kids do like fight for fight for Hannah, Hannah's battle, very basic, like Hannah's journey, just something very basic. It doesn't have to be um, crazy, but I am a very crazy person. And so <laughs> I like to go over the top with everything. And at the time, I really liked The Little Mermaid. And so I was like, how about even mermaids get leukemia? Because they told me it doesn't matter who you are you can get it. Like there's not a single thing we don't know much about the illness. Anybody can get it. So I was like, okay, even mermaids get leukemia. And so that was the name of Mm -hmm. my battle page. And so going along with it, it became really catchy and it caught on. And so when I do my fundraisers with the Leukemia Lymphoma Society during Mm -hmm. the Light the Night Walk, my tent is a mermaid theme. And it's really fun because all the little girls, especially all the little girls (laughs) love it. And I love seeing them. They're adorable. But I decided to roll with that as my nonprofit. And Mm so like you were talking about how getting back into the swing of things was it's it was honestly really hard for me at first because, I mean, I had to make all new friends because my friends aren't the same as they were in seventh grade. And I had to go and just basically start over. Yeah. And I just started from scratch. And I was like, this is really hard because I started from scratch physically and emotionally mentally. Um, I hardly had any muscle. And so just getting everything back up again was really hard. So I was like, I don't think it should be this hard for everyone. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, we need to create a nonprofit that helps at the end of treatment because there's so many that help during and at the beginning, but there's none towards the end. And so I wanted to create something that I could help someone. So what my nonprofit does is is basically if a kid wants to go and take baseball during the end of their treatment or at the end and Mm -hmm. they don't have enough money to pay for it, we can help them and basically pay for a first year batting practice or if they want to do cheer, pay for their cheer uniform and tumbling lessons, just something that can help them get back. And it doesn't even have to be like a sport. It can be like guitar lessons if they want to go play guitar, like just something to help them get social again. Right. I love that. That's really cool. Um, so how does the Light the Night tie in with that? And then what's your favorite part of Light the Night? Um, well, the Leukemia Lymphoma Society actually reached out to us while I was going through fighting cancer. And they're just an amazing organization that was like, hey, we do this thing called Light the Night, and we would really like you to come speak if you were if you would be willing to. And I was mm-hmm. like, of course. like That would be something I'd really be interested mm-hmm. in because I thought – hey, I like public speaking. I could give it a whirl. And so I wrote my own speech and I um, talked about how being diagnosed as basically what we're talking about here Mm -hmm. now. And 
um, I really enjoyed it. The Light the Night Walk was nothing like I expected, honestly. I kind of thought, oh, it's just going to be a lot of kids and adults like me feeling sorry for themselves. We're just going to sit there and cry. But no, it was, <laughs> it was a lot better than what I thought it was going to be. It was honestly, like, I just don't know how to explain it. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, definitely you get exposed to see how many people are affected by mm -hmm. the, the blood cancers for sure. Um, not only that, you know, people have lost battles, but have beat battles and are going through the battle and all of the family and, and relationships that intertwine yeah. with those folks. And that was pretty cool to see. And then, of course, you know, what a great setting downtown yeah. Wichita with all the lanterns and walking around. The, yeah, seeing all the, the lanterns and walking was really beautiful. Mm -hmm. yeah. All the different colors, because like the survivors would have a white one. Is that correct? Yes, the survivors would have a white <laughs> one, and then all the other um, family members would have red ones. And it was really cool to see how many white ones there were and yeah. how many red ones, because honestly, you don't know who's affected until you're like sitting there and you're just like, wow. Right. They went through it and they look amazing. Like the girl right across from me has a white lantern and she literally looks like she has been the healthiest person in the entire right. world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and they've been they've been a beacon of help throughout the whole mm -hmm. process. Um, we've we've certainly not only referenced the the website but reached out to to the folks that are um, involved with LOS and and they've helped us uh, along the way as well. So mm -hmm. been a great resource. Very cool. I'll definitely link up the uh, Light the Night details. Yeah. We'll talk about it more here in a little bit, but um, and also your nonprofit. That's really cool. Thank so, you. Um, we'll just mix up just a couple other questions real quick. Um, so these are some questions I kind of tag on every podcast. So if awesome. you guys want to talk about them, we can. If not, no worries. Um, is there something you often recommend to people, like books, movies, TV shows, anything like that? Um, I'm probably the biggest Disney fan you'll ever meet. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love Disney. Um, one hundred percent recommend going to Disney World once in your life. Doesn't matter how old you are, you should go. Definitely. I haven't been yet, so I'll, oh my god, I definitely need to go. Oh my god, <laughs> you need to go. It is. It's the, on the bucket list. It's it's a bucket list item for sure. Doesn't matter how grumpy you are, you need to go. It'll cheer you up right away. Mm -hmm. Um, what's something you recommend? Uh, is this in relation to anything? Just Whatever. Anything? Yep, anything you want. I'm I'm the the least reliable source for recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> Anything mm. like that. That's all right. What's your favorite Disney movie? Oh, I can't pick a favorite. That's like picking a favorite <laughs> child. <laughs> That's right. I'll let you off the hook. Oh, thanks. Um, do you have a favorite failure in any aspect of your life? So it could be, I mean, anything during the treatment or before that or any part of your life. Mm, that's a tough one. I'm 100% perfect. I never mess up. I never mess up. No. I'm 100% the biggest klutz. I trip like yeah. five times a day. Fun fact. Um, I mean, just this weekend, I was taking friend, like taking pictures with my friend, and like we wiped out completely, and I have huge scars. So, mm. I'm just the biggest klutz you will probably ever meet. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big failure. <laughs> um, what is your definition of success, if you had to have one? Doing what makes you happy would be my definition of success. Yeah, happiness. Yeah, uh, you know that that true happiness, no matter what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, do you have a life motto you live by, or what's some of the best advice that you've ever received, Hannah? 
I've received so much good advice, honestly. I can't pick one, and honestly, I can't think of one, but um, just doing, like like I said earlier, just doing what makes you happy. Um, YOLO, you only live <laughs> once. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Gotta live every day. <laughs> Yeah, she's full of those wonderful zingers. <laughs> go big or go home. <laughs> Fake it till you make it. <laughs> it's hard when you get put on the spot to just pick yeah, one. Yeah. But <laughs> that, that, that is something I say on a daily, though. Uh, YOLO. <laughs> kind of um, old, but yeah, that's all right. It's so good. It's, it's still, still good. Still one. good. One of the best. <laughs> um, do you have any habits that you've developed over the past couple years that's most improved your life? Drinking water. Yeah. That was one thing. They're like, keep a water bottle beside you at all times. And I was like, no, that's disgusting. <laughs> and I was so bad about drinking about water. He would yell at me every day. My dad would be like, hey, how much water have you drank? And I'd be like, mm, a couple sips. <laughs> yeah, we were we were pretty drill sergeantish. Really, about really drill sergeant. Because they they hammered at homes like you can't drink enough water. Yeah, and I'd go in there like you're dehydrated, and I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, that's one thing that I just have learned to drink so much water. And now if I don't have a water bottle in my hand, I'm like, please give me some water. Yeah. Mm. That's a good one. Um, Do you guys have a favorite part of Wichita or a hidden gem in Wichita? Uh, My favorite part in Wichita is honestly right when you drive in and you see the keeper of the planes Mm -hmm. and all the the skylines and um, the bridge, of course, and Mm -hmm. just walking down the keeper. Yeah. I really like it. Is there anything you wish Wichita had that it doesn't? Or anything you would improve about Wichita if you could? Mm, I mean, Disney World. We could, we could, we could <laughs> get a Disney World. Just plan it here. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I always talk about how I want to move to a bigger city and I want to get out of here. It's too small. Um, but honestly, if I had to change it, I wouldn't because it's, it's, it's fine the way it is. Mm-hmm. It's like very unique to itself and i mean i love wichita i do like it i don't hate it i just want to be moved to a different city and i talk to my dad about this all the time and my mom's like no you're never leaving me (laughs) but my parents have accepted that i just would like to move yeah but i do love wichita for what it is for sure yeah and she she embraces it and she gets out in it and she's involved and Mm -hmm. Um, continually does stuff within the city so mm-hmm. um, it's a very good tie there um so just last one what does wichita mean to you hmm. i do have to think about this one. that's fine take as much time as you need <laughs> mm-hmm. um well of course i mean like it's home but um when i go and i describe it to everyone that i'll meet in the future and mm-hmm. in different cities I'll just say, like, that's where I grew up. That's why it's so meaningful to me. I grew up in this city, and I just, um, it may seem small to some people. It's, I mean, it's small to me, but, like, it's why it's so important. We're such a tight-knit city, and honestly, you could be on the east side and still see someone you know. Like, Mm -hmm. that's what's nice about it is even though we think we're big, we're really, it's a small world. We know a lot more people than we think we do and we can go out and still be friends with everyone and i think that's also just like a midwest thing is that um, people are not afraid to say hi here and are very friendly compared to the east coast and so 
it's something that I do love about Wichita is that um, we have little sayings like, oh, sorry. <laughs> I say that a lot. <laughs> see oh, t-shirts with that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I do say that a lot. And I realize that now after I see all those t-shirts, but I'm like, I didn't realize that was like a Wichita thing. Mm. So mm-hmm. it's kind of fun, but um, just the good home feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's a place that took care of her. Mm-hmm. Um, nurtured her growing up and took care of her in a, in a time of crisis mm-hmm. uh, so we're very thankful for that yes awesome well that's all i have hannah and scott i really appreciate you guys coming on um Thank tell your story you. a little bit and it's motivating so hopefully some people in wichita and just all over can be inspired by your story and mm-hmm. um, share your nonprofit. and hopefully more people can involved thank you thank, thank you guys thank you for listening to this episode of the wichita live podcast if you enjoyed please share it with a friend and leave a review on whatever podcast platform you use i'm putting all of the podcasts on youtube now as well and we'll start doing video podcasts for some episodes in the future so go to wichita life podcast on youtube and subscribe today if you want to support the podcast head over to our patreon page thanks for the listen